So last time I was here, I talked about conviction, and some of you are here, I think, and the, the way that we, um, you know, we, we, through experience and memory, um, construct a picture of the world and, and, and you know, store pattern perceptions and dig out pattern responses in a way that, that works great, but it's undergirded by this sense of conviction of being right, of knowing what to do, and so on and so forth, of confidence that um, obviously it's not, not all of our conclusions are undergirded by that, but, but quite often we're, we're, we have this sense of confidence about being right and knowing what to do that, that brings comfort, right? And, and also al allows us to act and to, to act out our conclusions, act out our, um, our plans and so on and so forth in a way that, that has a chance of being successful, right? So, and I talked a little about how that's, you know, in, in principle, that has some good features, and in practice, it also has some really bad features, right? Um, so, today I want to talk about the, the alternative, which is the mind of not knowing, right? And, and so, the, um, there's a famous koan about this, where um, Dizang, who's a Tang Dynasty Zen teacher, asks Fayan, who later went on to become a famous Tang, uh, Tang Dynasty Zen teacher, he said, where are you going? And, and Fayan says, well, you know, I'm going off on pilgrimage. And, and Dizang says, oh, pilgrimage, what's that for? And, um, and, and Fayan says, I don't know. And, and, and Dizang says, it's, trans, it's variously translated. Um, the translation I was looking at this evening actually says, um, not knowing is nearest. But the usual translation is, not knowing is most intimate, right? And I both apply, if you look up the, the characters in, in the classical Chinese dictionary, you know, you could, you could spin it either way, right? And the funny thing is the translator I was um, reading tonight neglected to, to add the final line of the, of the case, which is, and Fayan was, was um, immediately enlightened. <laughs> he, just, he just dropped that part, right? But... The not knowing is most intimate is, is the interesting part, right? Um, I mean, going off on a pilgrimage and not knowing what it's for is, is also interesting. And, it, and, it's, and it's an excellent way to do a pilgrimage, right? If you, again, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. If you think you know what's going on, um, chances are you're deluding yourself. And, and it turns out it can get in the way, right, um, of, among other things, of sitting zazen, right? But um, so, you know, why exactly is that true? I mean, we've been talking about, about it the whole, sort of the whole evening, right? Like, we, 
because of our conditioning, our, our personal conditioning, our cultural conditioning, our familial conditioning, our genetic conditioning, et cetera, et cetera, down through the, you know, the, our conditioning is the result of literally billions of years of, of causes and conditions, right? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy weight to be carrying. <laughs> and because of that, we, we have a certain set of responses to, to the world, and they're the ones that we, th we think have been working for us, right? And, we, and we, to those we attach a certain sense of conviction and, and rightness, and we act them out in a way that feels automatic a lot of the time, right? It's like, this thing happened, and I just did my habitual thing, right? Um, it turns out, though, that that that's not actually how things are. That's a, that that automaticness is kind of an illusion, and it's possible to to disrupt that illusion through practice, right? And th and in some ways, that's what we're doing with practice: is we're we're bringing ourselves to the moment and observing the arising of this life, this body, this mind moment by moment, and, and trying to get a feel for what's actually happening. And, and you know, of, of the many things that arise in this life is, are the, the, you know, infinite array, not infinite, but effectively uncountable array of, of thoughts and ideas and conclusions and plans and weird half-formed, you know, loops and so on and so forth that, that have been installed in this body as a mind, right? And to, to, become, to become intimate with that in a way that doesn't draw conclusions is a gift. Um, it's, a, it's a gift to ourselves and, and to everybody. Um, and it and it requires a kind of um, curiosity, um, compassion, self-compassion, and and kind of tenderness that can that under some circumstances can be hard to muster, right? But but that's the request of sitting is to bring that mind to the experience of being this one and to allow the the sensations of you know cars going by with stereos all the way down to the half formed you know bubble of thought that rises up and says something weird and random in the middle of sitting um, to let all of them speak with their own voice without standing in the way, drawing conclusions and, and, you know, and ignoring all of that stuff to, to really attend, right? Um, and, and to drop our attach and attachment to categorical thinking and so on as, as thoroughly as we possibly can, which is to say not particularly thoroughly, but it's, but our capacity to do that kind of comes and goes, right? Um, and 
that has a practical um, benefit, which is that you, if you're, if you get even a little bit skillful with with that practice, you can do it continuously. You can do it when you're sitting, but you can also do it when you're walking around, right? And and the difference between entering entering a situation and um, just acting out your habitual response and entering a situation and acting out a response that is based on discernment and compassion is actually tremendous, right? And then the other thing is that it has, a, it has an effect that I have to say makes life startling and marvelous. <laughs>